that as we talk about the wonderful cross and the seriousness of who Jesus is, that he is a great offense to many people. And uh, one thing that I've been convicted about to be praying for is for the people who are being martyred because of their faith right now. And uh, over 200 people have been taken captive over in the Middle East. And y'all, people's lives are hanging in the balance. And one of the most moving things I saw was that whenever they beheaded 21 people, the last words on their lips were Jesus. And so when we sit here, and I am grateful that we are here, people are loving and living for Jesus and willing to die for him. And that is the kind of world in which we are living. And so I just want to encourage us, I encourage you as the week progresses, you pray for people. Because our faith is offensive to many. But Jesus came and he gave his life for all. And so I'll just lead us in a word of prayer. And I just think that's something that we need to be doing as believers, praying for the persecuted, persecuted church all across the world. And so let, let's just take this time to, to pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we just we gather together as, as believers. And God, I am reminded that though we are miles and miles away from, from so many people, and it seems like that those things across the ocean don't affect us, God. We have been told that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I pray for those who are undergoing persecution, who are being, who are being put to the ultimate test in their faith. God, we pray that you will reveal yourself to them and make yourself known to them more and more. And God, may they sense the prayers of their brothers and sisters in Christ lifting them up. And so, Lord, we pray for strength and power. God, we pray for deliverance. We pray for, for justice, Lord, and righteousness to be done. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, today we are beginning a new series of messages called Rumors. And so if you have your Bible today, we're just going to read one verse today. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. And one thing that I uh, have discovered and am finding and find rather interesting is that many times we would rather believe in an untruth than to believe in the truth. Uh, there's something that for many of us, it just sort of gives us this false sense of confidence. If I believe in something that, that is not true, I'll just sort of hang on to that and just ignore the truth. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I was reading an article about, about gas gauges. Now, y'all, I know nothing about cars, but I did think this was interesting. There was an article that talked about whenever people fill up their gas tank, and I've noticed this in my own car, about how long it seems to stay on, on full. And then, you know, just sort of very slowly, over a period of time, works its way to the, the halfway mark. And then once you get to half a tank, have y'all noticed that like after you drive three miles, it goes from like half a tank to empty? Have y'all noticed that? I mean, I know, I'm like, man, I'm getting great gas mileage for the first half of my tank, but the last half of my tank is awful. Now, what's interesting is there is a reason for that. Uh, a guy from Ford was talking about this, and he said, we actually calibrate gas gauges to do this. And I thought, well, that's not cool. I mean, what's up with that? Well, what he said is, he said, people like to be fooled. He said, whenever you first get your tank of gas, he said, you like to feel like, you know, even though you're not, you like to feel like that you're getting really good gas mileage. And so it just very slowly moves. He said, now at some point it has to make up to the truth, and so that usually happens when you get to the halfway mark, and then it drops all the way down to E. He said, but when you get to E, have you noticed that, that your gas is not automatically out? 
you know, you, you know, and if you're like me, we so, I sort of stretched this one. I was with my son Hank, and we were coming back, and I was on E, and he's, I mean, he's getting nervous. How long uh, are you going to go? And I'm like, I got confidence. We got another 10, 15 miles in this sucker. Now, I just like that. Now, I like living with a false sense of security. And so for me, that's something that's really good. And yet, what's going on is I had rather believe in a lie than to actually believe in something that's true. Now, that's not just true with gas gauges. Uh, That is also true in all areas of life. And it's also true concerning matters of faith. Now, that's why we're beginning this series that we're going to be going through for this month called Rumors. And there's, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there. And, and a lot of us, we hear rumors, and it's, just sort, of, it's sort of nice, you know, sometimes. It's sort of intriguing for us to believe in rumors over the truth. You know, before the Super Bowl, there was the rumor that Tom Brady was deflating footballs. And we know that. We all know they're a bunch of cheaters, so that was true. Uh, there, are, there are rumors always persisting that, you know, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, I've heard they're on the verge of a breakup. I don't know. But there's just a lot of rumors out there. Now, in, in matters of faith, there are rumors as well. And one of the rumors that we sort of buy into or we hang on to, to the expense of the truth, is this one. This one we're going to be examining today. And that is the rumor that everybody is going to go to heaven. That everybody's going to be okay. And I'm going to be honest with you, that is a rumor that I personally, I find some comfort in that. Uh, Because what that means for me is that I can do whatever it is I want to do. I can live like I want to. You know, everybody can just sort of go along with their life. Because all, you know, in the end, it's all going to come out in the wash. And that's something that's very comforting. Now, while that might be attractive, here's the question. Is it true? Or is that just something that's just merely a rumor? Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus' disciple, Peter, Delving into the realm of rumors and and not dealing with a rumor, but instead deciding that he's going to deal with facts. Now the rumor is everybody's going to go to heaven. But what Peter does is through scripture, he based his teaching off of previous scriptures, he shows us that now that might be a rumor, but I want you to pay attention to the truth. And so that's why we're going to look in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. And just a little background information, what's happened is just in, the, in a few weeks before this, Jesus has gone to the cross, he's died, he's been, he's been crucified, a few days later Jesus is raised from the dead. Now the disciples saw this, that can, can you imagine seeing somebody who dies, that you follow, and then they get up and they come to life again? That would, be, I, I, that would be stunning, right? And that's what we're going to celebrate in just the, the next few weeks as we celebrate Easter. We've already got the, got the robe on the cross, the purple robe, and so we're looking forward to that day. And so when the, the disciples saw what had happened to Jesus, y'all, as you can imagine, they got jacked up and excited. Jesus is dead. Now he's alive. Oh my gosh. Let's go tell everybody. And so what we see is we see in Acts 4... Uh, Peter and John, they're so excited, they run to the temple, they're standing before the religious leaders who'd arrested Jesus, had him killed, and they start talking about Jesus, saying, he's your only chance for heaven. That's bold. So what happens to them? They get arrested. They tell them to keep your mouth shut, quit talking about Jesus. But Peter refused to do it. Why? 
He said, I'm not going to deal in the area of rumors anymore. He said, I'm going to deal with the truth. And I'm going to talk about this whole issue about salvation is something that's going to occur to everyone. That's a nice rumor, but what's the truth? And Peter shares with us today some things to know about the salvation of God. Now, what do we need to know about the salvation of God? Well, first of all, we need to know that God's salvation, for one, it's available. You know, it's not just some secret club that people get involved in. And whenever we talk about Christians, many times what people think of whenever they think of Christians, they, they think of, well, I can tell you not necessarily what Christians believe, but I can tell you what Christians are against, right? I mean, and I'm just talking about in general, a lot of people, when they look at believers, they say, well, I can tell you what they're not for. And what are some of the things that we're not for? This, y'all get to participate here. Whenever people think of Christians, what are some things that people say, well, this, I know Christians are definitely against this. What are we against? Having any fun. Who are you? We all have fun. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Christians, they're not the most fun people. Uh, that we're against, I mean, typically, whenever we think of Christians, we think of Baptists in particular, they're against drinking, they're against dancing, uh, Christians are against premarital sex, um, Christians are against gay marriage, uh, they're against, let's see, bad language, you know, all the fun stuff. You know, Christians, are we are against everything, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumors about believers, so we don't even know what believers are for what it is that we that we are, are looking forward to and so some people look at Christians well that's sort of like in this exclusive club made up of people who don't have fun and uh, and they're not really a lot of fun to be around and you know it's, it's hard to get in that group but what does the Bible say and it's interesting to me that oftentimes what we think and what the Bible says are two very different things Concerning salvation, is it only for a select group of people? Has it only been given out to people and offered to people who sort of fit this mold of rules and regulations people? Well, in verse number 12, it says there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The Bible speaks of people needing salvation. That word salvation, it means deliverance. Now, who needs deliverance? The Bible says everybody needs it. You know who everybody is? Everybody includes your, your saintly grandmother. You know who you never heard utter a bad word? She needs salvation. Billy Graham. The Pope. You. We are all in need of salvation. Now, now, why is that? Anybody know why? It's because of sin. You know what sin is? The word sin means to miss the mark. It's a picture of somebody shooting at a target and they miss it. Now, if you miss it by three inches or you miss it by a mile, what is, a, is, is it a miss? Who's missed? You know who's missed? Anybody want to take a, a stab at it? Other than the person next to you, my wife's missed. You know who's missed? All of us. The Bible says that. Romans 3. It says, for who sinned? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 10 tells us there is no one righteous, no, not one. We have all 
missed, we have all stepped out of bounds. And so what we need is somebody who can give us freedom from having stepped out of bounds. You ever seen anybody run into an end zone, they're celebrating, and the referee comes over and steps on like the three-yard line, and he starts doing this. What does that mean? It means no touchdown. Why? Because you've gone out of bounds. Guys, everybody in this room, we think we're scoring touchdowns all the time. Tell you something, all of us have stepped out of bounds. And so what we need is we need a referee, we need a Jesus who can overcome us stepping out of bounds that we might be able to score and be able to have freedom. And the neat thing to discover is that God has offered freedom to everybody. He's made it available to all people. John 3.16, again, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Contrary to popular belief, God is not in heaven with a hammer waiting to beat you in the head. God is in heaven desiring for you to know him. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. So he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God, God doesn't desire to only have a few people in his club. He wants everybody. He's made his salvation available for all of us. We're told in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, has appeared with salvation for all people. Now what do we need to know about salvation? Guys, first of all, it's, it's available. Salvation is available. It's not just a select group of people. It's not, only, it's not like God said, I've got a small little club that I want to be in my club and the rest of the people I don't care about. God has offered himself to everybody. But while I say that, there's something else that we need to know about salvation. And, and to separate you know, rumor from, from fact, or fact from rumor. Well, another thing that we should know about salvation is this. Salvation is exclusive. Now, it's available for everybody, but it's also exclusive. And where I get this, again, is in verse 12. It says, there is salvation, and here's the exclusive part, in no one else. It says, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Now, now what does rumor say? Rumor says everybody's going to be okay. The world we live in today, rumor says, doesn't matter what God you believe in, we all believe in the same God anyway. Rumor says, doesn't matter how you choose to live your life, in the end, it's all going to come out in the wash. And man, that's attractive because that means I don't have to be judgmental to anybody. You know, I don't know how y'all are, but if you like to avoid conflict like me, then if you just say everybody's okay, then you don't have to worry about there ever being any conflict. Hey, we're all going to be alright anyway. It sounds good. But it doesn't jibe with what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't teach us this. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now let me ask you a question. Is that an exclusive statement? Do you all think that? Whenever, whenever Peter said this in verse number 12, when he said, there is salvation in no one else, when he says, for there's no other name under heaven given to people by which man must be saved. Is that an exclusive statement? Absolutely. Why do we not like exclusive statements? They're offensive. Now, we, we don't like exclusive statements because it's like we are saying this. I am right and you are not. Do you like it when somebody says that to you? 
I am right and you are not. Nobody likes that. But here's something to know about truth. Truth is exclusive. Let me give you an example. For all you Richland 2 graduates, I R1, 2 plus 2 is what? Obviously, we have some Richland 2 people in here. Yes, 2 plus 2 is 4. That's the truth, right? Now, is 2 plus 2 3? Is 2 plus 2 5? Does it vary sometimes? Absolutely not. I, it, 2 plus 2 is always 4. And I might say, well, I, I refuse to believe that. Okay, that's fine. You can refuse to believe that if you want to. But let me tell you something. If you use that kind of math and you start building stuff, you're going to build something that's pretty cruddy. It's, it's not going to be very lasting. Now, you have the right to do it. That's fine. But 2 plus 2, I don't care what you say, it is always 4. Let me give you an example of this. The first time we went to Haiti, and we have, a group of, we have a group of people going to Haiti in the next few weeks. First time we went there, we built bunk beds. and I was to stick, We built the bunk beds, and we were to stick them in a corner, a flush against the wall. And I'm sitting there, and I'm jamming it up against the wall, and it just never works. And so I'm getting, I'm getting irritated, which is a good word that I can use in here. And so I was very irritated. After an hour of like cramming, uh, cramming it up against the wall, it never was flush. And then the guy in charge of the children's home comes over, and he's sort of laughing because he's been watching me, and he doesn't say anything because he's just waiting for me to get real close to becoming a Methodist. And so uh, after doing it for a long time, he comes over to me, and he says, Hey, it's not you. He said, It's the walls aren't square. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, here's the deal. If the foundation is not built in a right way, if it's not used or built using the right standard of measurement, I don't care how hard you cram and put your shoulder into trying to make something flush, it ain't ever going to work out. That's what Peter's teaching here. Peter's teaching us that in life there is a true measurement that we are to use. Now, you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. And we all get to make that choice. He says, if you want your life to come out flush, if you want things to be square in your life, Jesus is then to be the measurement in your life. Otherwise, nothing else will work out. There are a lot of rumors out there. One of the rumors is everybody's going to heaven. What does the Bible say? The Bible tells us some good things. It says salvation is available to everybody. But... Salvation is exclusive. It's only found in one. It's found in Jesus. Now here's the really relieving part to know. The last thing to know about salvation is this. Salvation, it is a gift. It's something that is a gift from God. In verse number 12 it says, There's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Salvation is a gift. Now most people, when I talk to them, uh, I'll, I'll ask him, you know, why is it that you believe that, that when you die, that, that you're going to be in heaven? Yeah, and then the typical answer is this, because I'm, I'm a good guy. You know, in, in the balance of things, I have done more good things than bad things. In other words, I'm going to be okay in the end because I have earned it. That's not what scripture says again. See, the religious leaders of the day, this is what they believe. They believe there were rules and regulations that you followed. 
and if you followed them, then you were going to be good, then everything was going to be okay with God. But that's not what the Bible says. One of the most convicting verses to me in all of scriptures in James 2.10 says this, it says, whoever keeps the entire law and yet fails in one point is guilty of breaking it all. How do y'all like that one? I mean, I'm good. Yeah, there's some stuff that I'm good at. That there are some laws that I have never broken in my life. I have never committed murder physically, mentally. But I've never killed anybody with my hands. Um, I, have, I have never robbed a bank. But there are sins I have committed. And you know what the Bible says? Now, while it's good that I've never killed people, it's good I've never robbed a bank. The Bible says, if I am guilty of just simply breaking one law, then I am guilty of breaking them all. Okay, so you might say, well, I have a pretty good track record. Maybe I haven't broken any laws. Oh, let me tell you. Yes, you have. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And what happens is that, that one, that breaking of the law is, is such a huge debt that I can never overcome it. And so that's why this is good news today. It says that there's been no other name given to men by which we can be saved. The, the gift of salvation, salvation, it is a gift. You don't earn it because you can't, neither can I. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one could boast. Now here's the question. Why would anybody ever balk at receiving a gift? Well, when it comes to salvation, it's because, and I know if this is true, this is true for me, because I don't like to feel like I have to rely on anybody. I like to feel like that it's, it's something that I deserve, that it's something that I earn. The Bible says that I don't deserve God's gift of salvation, and I can't earn it. Now the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they, they didn't teach this. They said, you follow God's law to the nth degree, and you're going to be okay. And everybody would look at the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they go, man, look how, look how good those guys are. Look how righteous those guys are. But it, did it do anything between them and God? It didn't. Why? Because of sin. And the Bible says that when we sin, we become spiritually dead. Therefore, when we are dead spiritually, is there anything that we can do to impress God? And they, I, I said this last week, when somebody is dead, do they ever do anything impressive? Other than lie there. They don't do anything impressive. Why? Because they're dead. So what has to happen? They have to be brought to life. And that's, that's the crux of the matter. There is only one who can take someone who is dead and give them life. It's Jesus. The Bible says this to us. It says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, when you, it's speaking of all of us, when you were dead in trespasses, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, it says, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us, and he's taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Guys, that's why we need Jesus. Because he took 
our debt of sin, which kills us. And he crucified it on the cross and said, if you trust in me, I will give you life. Now, there's a rumor out there. What's the rumor? Everybody's going to be okay. Everybody's going to heaven. Guys, let me tell you something. Not everybody's going to heaven. None of us deserve to go there. So then what's the truth? The truth is the only hope we have is Jesus. He is the only name given to men by which we can be rescued. So what's the deal with salvation? Well, there's some things to know about salvation. It's available, it's exclusive, but it's also a gift. The question is, have you received the gift? Because we, we are, I am spiritually dead without Jesus. And Jesus says, I can raise you to life spiritually that you can have an eternal life. Now, for some of you, it's time for you to call out on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, give me life. I trust you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Rescue me. And if you've never done that before, I, I encourage, I challenge you, I plead with you to call out to God. He's the only hope you got. And for others, others of us, we've already done that. But you know, you have friends, you have family, and spiritually they are dead. They might be good people. They tell you something, the only hope they have for life eternal is Jesus. And then take, take the time to pray for them and say, God, God, stir their heart to where they'll call out to you. God, stir and work in their life to where they begin to see their only hope is you. Guys, we are living in a world that is desperate for hope. And we've been given the word of God that shows us that we have been given freedom and hope in Jesus. Rumor is, we're all okay. Truth is, we need Jesus. Jesus.